He first loved us. And he reached down into that pit. What a wonderful picture Psalm 40 gives us. Reaching down into that pit, that pit of clanging noise. <laughs> the horrible pit. And pulled us out and set our feet upon a rock. What a wonderful picture. What a God we serve. Amen. James, if you turn to the book of James with me tonight. <clears throat> I appreciate so much uh, your flexibility of your sound crew. allowing me to switch over to my lapel. Uh, very kindly offered to try to adjust the headset thing. I just have a big head. Hopefully that's just a physical thing. Uh, but uh, if I ever do get a big head, I've got a good wife who can, you know, bring me down to earth pretty quickly. So, uh, but uh, in all seriousness, I sure appreciate uh, flexibility. Back in 2015, I had a vocal injury due to uh, acid reflux. It was actually called silent reflux or LPR. And a lot of opera singers actually get it. And uh, it's due to the concert schedule and, and a lot of late nights and, and just road living and things like that. And it's the type of thing you don't know that you have. And it uh, was taking away my voice, stealing it away. And uh, so uh, I did get that taken care of, altered my diet, um, as well as learned, uh, went and took some grad level classes in voice. And now I actually help preachers and and Christian school teachers and uh, Pensacola Christian College actually, actually had me come in and do a master class for all their teaching faculty uh, on how to take care of your voice. And I wouldn't have gained that knowledge unless I'd gone through darkness myself. Uh, but that also is something why I'm just a little bit extra, uh, I guess you could say picky. I try not to come across that way, but uh, just a little bit extra picky on, on microphone stuff. Uh, just because of that. I want my voice to last as long as possible. And so just trying to make sure everything is working great. James chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Here we go. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. It's like a mirror, right? For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. <laughs> but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, word, excuse me, work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. How many of you are familiar with Patch the Pirate? All right, all right, we're at a Patch the Pirate church, obviously, Wonderful number of years ago, this is back when I was a teenager, he came out with a song that went like this, hippo critter, hippo critter, you say one thing and do the opposite How many of you remember that? Yes, fantastic song. Well, you could title my message tonight, How Not to Be a Hippocritter, because that's what he's talking about here, right? He's talking about someone who uh, I love that illustration that he gives there. Uh, someone who looks at himself in a mirror and then straightway leaves and says, oh, boy, I look terrible, and then doesn't do anything about it, right? 
Do any of you enjoy spaghetti? All right, a few of you, <laughs> amen. All right, my favorite food in the world, well, top five, let's call it top five, uh, is, uh, is hot wings. I just, I love buffalo wings, uh, and uh, I can eat most of them on my diet, too. So as long as they don't put sugar in the sauce, I can have uh, uh, wings. And you know, there are certain foods, not spaghetti, but there are certain foods that you're allowed to eat with your hands and no one looks at you twice. Again, not spaghetti. Unless you're two years old, <laughs> But no matter what food you eat, you want to kind of check out after you're done eating it in the mirror, maybe in the bathroom or something, to see, to make sure that it's not all over your face, right? Because you look at that and hopefully inside of us there is a motivation to clean it up. How silly it would be for us to look at our face and think, oh, that looks terrible, and then just go on our way. Well, that's the picture James gives of someone who looks into the Word of God and sees, wow, I do not measure up at all. That's not the problem. The problem is, what do you do about it from there, right? So tonight, drawn right from this passage, I want to give you three tests, three tests to help us uh, you know, the check engine light, so to speak, in our spiritual life. I won't ask for a show of hands how many of you have a check engine light on right now in your vehicle, all right? Uh, but that's what I really want this to be this evening, is really just kind of a check engine light on your spiritual life in the era of hypocrisy. Dear Lord, I pray you'd help me tonight. Fill me with your spirit. Let this be something that is practical and encouraging this evening even if it has to be a little challenging in your name i pray amen for me it's turning the page but verse number 26 says this and here we have the first test if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue but deceiveth his own heart this man's religion is vain James was most likely, I mean, we're pretty sure James was the first book of the Bible that was written, um, and um, it's very Jewish in nature. Of course, the early church would have been primarily Jewish as it started, right? And so, in fact, at the beginning, uh, we know that it was written originally uh, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, right? So, um, th there's a lot of emphasis in this book on practical living. In fact, it's pretty much impossible to come out of the book of James without something practical you can apply to our lives. It's been called the Proverbs of the New Testament. And here he gets right down to the nitty-gritty in this first test that I'm going to call the test of the tongue. The test of the tongue. Here's somebody, he says, if any man among you seem to be religious. I took a nap so my voice is lower, so I can really, religious. What does that mean? Well, that Greek there, threskia, is behind that word, has to do with the outward showing, right? The outward showing of what's supposed to be an inner reality. So here's someone basically that uh, is saying, I am a great Christian. In fact, on my table, I've got two volumes on how great a Christian I am. Now, maybe some people aren't going to be that obvious, although I've met some who practically are. <laughs> Uh, the idea here is someone who talks a big talk, who maybe self-styles themselves as a great teacher who knows all things, or perhaps the answer man that's got all the answers, etc. But what? 
bridleth not his tongue. Elsewhere in James, actually, just a little farther into the book, we're going to find a picture of the tongue. It's a small member, but oh, what a fire it can start, right? Uh, your uh, oldest daughter, Erin, I forgot her name, Pastor Erin, I'm sorry. Chloe. Chloe, thank you. She was sharing with us how um, someone put a corn dog in the microwave, right? This was like a highlight at school, wasn't it? Someone put a corn dog in the microwave and left it in too long, right? And, I mean, we almost had a fire over there, didn't we? Yeah, she was telling us all about it. I didn't mean to embarrass you. I thought that was, I thought that was... <laughs> It was, I was into the story too. I mean, I, she was like, and then it was like this, and then we were talking about it. And yeah, uh, it was a small thing. It was just a corn dog, but I mean, it almost lit the whole, you know, burned down the whole city. Uh, you never know those things. You got to be careful, right? The same thing is true of our tongues, right? It's a little thing, but oh, what a fire it can kindle. Fire under control can be a good thing, but when it's out of control, it can be a terrible thing. And if we're talking about a test of a tongue, Boy, I, I did a survey for a while of waiters and waitresses. And the question that I asked them was this, are the crowds on Sunday better or worse than the rest of the week? Some of you are already guessing the correct answer. Out of about 25 or so, 23 of them, uh, no one said they were better. One person said they were about the same. Everyone else said that they were worse on Sunday than any other day of the week. In fact, one waitress came back and she started crying. And I said, well, I'm so sorry. What, did I say something to offend you? She said, no, I was just thinking about this one church group that comes in and we all argue about who doesn't get to serve them. Wow, they talked a big talk. Oh, we go, oh, then, then she told me uh, about how they would leave these little leaflets, is what she called them. We know what those are, right? What are they? Tracts. Instead of tips. And they would put them up in the back as kind of target practice, you know, for the tack board or whatever that's called, the cork board in the back. And I thought to myself, I don't know what church that was. I mean, I know not everyone who goes out to eat on Sunday is a Christian, right? But you would think there would be a higher percentage of church going people who say one thing, but obviously do the opposite. And that is a word according to Patch the Pirate. The test of the tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. I've met some people that think they're just wonderful, wonderful Christians, but they're self-deceived and they don't see the damage that they're causing other people. You know, I, I don't mean to talk about food all the time, <laughs> but here's another food illustration, sort of. You know what the most popular meal on Sundays is? It's okay. It's really all right. It doesn't bother me at all. I was trying to think of something funny to say. <laughs> like, like idea. Bring! <laughs> right? uh, one time, uh, I will say this, 30-second detour. Okay, 30-second detour. And when I say that, by the way, it's kind of like a loan where you get a deferred payment and you put it on the end of the loan. So I put 30 seconds on the end of the message. That's what I do. Uh, but I was uh, sitting in church and my sister got up to sing and she had left her phone on and someone called it. And it was, we were in a really small church. It was a really good sense of humor. So I answered it. I said, hi. Uh, no, she can't come on the phone right now. She's about to sing a special in church. Yeah, we're sitting here right now. Okay. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have done that, but uh, <laughs> it's all right. 
But uh, you know what the most popular meal on Sunday afternoon is actually, right? It's roast preacher. <laughs> right. See, with our words, we can say so many things. You know, it's been said that it takes 10 words of encouragement to make up for one word of discouragement. Because with our tongues, we can cut people down without even, I mean, without a second thought. And may I say this, this is my home state, home state of Michigan. Uh, I've just found as I've traveled around that, um, I don't know, for some reason in Michigan, uh, particularly lower Michigan, we just have the ability to do this like really easily. We can really cut people down quickly. I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is. Uh, but I've just kind of found that sometimes we don't mean to criticize, but we kind of are saying something in an offhanded manner. I'll give you an illustration. So I picked out a special tie for a special occasion of leading a choir for Resurrection Sunday morning, because sometimes the church will bring us in for six weeks, and I'll help that church, particularly if they don't have a music pastor, I'll help them prepare for a big concert, and I had done that. And uh, I picked out a special tie for the day, and before service, a lady came up to me and she said, that tie doesn't go with your suit. One of the choir members. I said, well, good morning. So glad you felt you had to share that, right? She said, yeah, it doesn't go with your suit. Okay, all right. About five minutes, ten minutes later, another lady came up to me and she said, I love your tie. You must have picked it out special today. I said, well, thank you very much. Now, she didn't say whether it went with my suit or not. <laughs> and I did notice that. But all that to say, isn't it funny how little comments can stick in our minds for a long time? Why don't we concentrate on making sure that we're matching what we're saying? Oh, I'm a Christian, but I cut other people down. Well, hang on a second. Why don't we try going the other direction? I'm not talking flattery. Flattery's still about me. If I'm trying to flatter you, it's because I want you to like me more. But if I'm going to find something good that I can encourage you with, then it's about you. I'll never forget this. Uh, uh, there was a young lady who had struggled a little bit um, and uh, came back to the Lord and, and uh, is doing well now and raising a family. Uh, anyway, she had come to one of our meetings and uh, uh, she was in the same school. She had been in the same school that I had grown up in. And uh, we are, I was talking about this type of thing, the power of words. She came up to me afterward and she said, I'll never forget what you told me one day. I said, what, what was that? Well, you were a senior in high school, and I was in third grade. And you know what? Se seniors usually don't really pay much attention to third graders, right? I mean, not for bad or for worse. It's just they don't really exist. And, uh, but I, I've always liked you know, kids, and, and I, I like to make them laugh, and I like hearing their stories because I'm really just a grown-up kid. Uh, you can ask my wife and son. They'll tell you that. But uh, I, she said, yeah, I, I'll never forget this. You were just walking by, and I had just gotten my hair cut, and I didn't like it. And you walked by, and you said, hey, that's a cool haircut, and just kept walking. That was it. She said, that made my entire third grade. And I didn't, I didn't even remember that. But it's just, it's one of those things, right? I wish I could tell you I'm like that all the time. I'm not. I can be mean just like anybody else when I get tired and selfish. But I want what comes out of my mouth to match what I claim that I am. In fact, that's what he goes on and talks about in verse 27. Pure religion, in other words, the real thing. Remember that commercial, was it Coke, the real thing? Is that Coke? I always ask. 
Coke, the, the real thing, the real, the real McCoy. <laughs> Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. See, real living out, real uh, uh, Christianity is not talking a big talk, it's action. It's giving to those people, as he mentions here, who don't have the wherewithal to give back. And then also to keep himself unspotted from the world. I know there's some people, uh, it's not my job to get into big theological uh, issues as a guest in someone else's pulpit, so you'll notice that I, I will avoid, well, hopefully you won't notice, you won't think about it unless I mention it, which is what I'm doing right now. So why am I saying it? I don't know. But I avoid big theological hot topics because that's not my job. I have my opinion on all of those things. But I will say this, beware of any theological system that gives you a freedom to sin. Well, you know, well, God's forgiven it all anyway, so you might as well sin. Well, that's going right against Romans chapter 6, isn't it? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. If we're dead to it, we shouldn't live in it. And that's what he's saying. Keep himself unspotted from the world. My, uh, one more illustration, then we'll hit the next test. My uh, a friend of mine back up in Midland, his dad, he's now with the Lord, but he would save containers like mustard containers. You remember the barrel mustard containers? Is it Fleischmann's? No. Is it, well, maybe it was Fleischmann's. Yes, okay, I'm getting some nods. Uh, it was like a yellow barrel, right? Well, he would use those because the nozzle was pretty specific. He would put different things in them like wood glue, for example. And my buddy came home from school one day and decided to make himself a sandwich. And of course, wood glue can have, it's not pure yellow, but I mean, it's, it's close. He wasn't really thinking about it. He made himself a sandwich, and let me just tell you, he told me that sandwich did not taste as expected. Why not? Because what came out of the bottle did not match what was on the label. And you know what? We as Christians, as we interact with people around us, whether it be on the workplace, at school, at the gas pump, at a restaurant, wherever it is, may what comes out of our mouths, what comes out of our lives match what's on the label. Our label is Christian. And we're already two strikes behind because of people who call themselves Christians who aren't and the media and such that are definitely not on our side. If you're watching any sort of show or movie and a character get in, gets introduced who's some kind of Christian, just mark it down. They're the bad guy, right? They did it. They're the murderer, <laughs> you know? So we're already two strikes behind. May we pass this test? Well, what about the next test? Test of the tongue, number one. Number two, I want to give you the test of partiality. The test of partiality. This chapter here, of course, I'm grateful for chapter and verse divisions. I think actually on the ride down uh, here yesterday, I think we were talking about in the car a little bit about chapter and verse divisions. And generally speaking, they're, they're pretty good. In fact, here I wouldn't disagree with it at all because maybe if you don't, aren't aware, and know most of you probably are, but in case you're not aware, chapter and verse divisions were added later to help us find our place. I'm grateful for them. But let's not forget that he's continuing in this vein of real Christianity, of living out what we profess to believe. So he keeps going in the same thought pattern. My brethren, have not the Lord, excuse me, the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring, in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth a gay or rich clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? What's going on here? Here's someone who looks good versus someone who doesn't. Here's someone who uh, can offer us something, maybe status or uh, money or whatever it is, and we treat them differently than someone over here for whatever reason who doesn't carry the same status as the other person. You know, this can happen in all kinds of different ways. I think what jumps to our minds first and foremost would be people's ethnic backgrounds. You know, it's not, our, our world is so mixed up right now when it comes to people's ethnic backgrounds that they kind of just want to cover over everything. And listen, it's not wrong to notice differences about people. That's partly what makes life so awesome. <laughs> Let me give you an illustration. I am, uh, my last name is Everson. That is Scandinavian, Norwegian. Um, my dad, it used to be Edwardson. So when they came over, it was Edwardson. And they came through Ellis Island and they shortened it to Everson. We have no idea how it became Everson. Uh, my dad said, Eversons have money, Eversons don't. So, <laughs> But on my dad's side of the family, grandpa's side of the family, there are certain Norwegian characteristics. For example, not very talkative. Doesn't mean they don't feel things, but they just don't wear their emotions on their sleeves. I could talk with Grandpa Dale, uh, and uh, we could talk for two hours, and you could condense the conversation into a very short amount of time. Hello, Benjamin. He always called me Benjamin. Hello, Benjamin. Hey, Grandpa. Been driving a lot of miles. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, sometimes I call my grandpa, sir. <laughs> yeah, a lot of miles. Gets kind of tiring sometimes. Mm. Yeah, he always kind of did this. He used to smoke and he quit cold turkey, but he had developed kind of this thing and he always kept that, you know. I'll waste the rest of my sermon time if I keep illustrating our conversation because that's what it was like. It didn't mean that we didn't love each other, didn't mean we didn't feel deeply or anything like that. It's just personality trait. Now, on the other side of the family, my mom's maiden name was Ortega. That's Latin, right? That's owning, well, we don't own the taco sauce company, you know, Ortega Taco Company, right? Uh, but uh, very uh, bombastic, very vivacious, very, uh, uh, I told you a little bit about, I think, this morning, I think if I remember, uh, she witnessed to my dad, you know? Uh, and, um, uh, but you haven't been together with the family in a week. And it was like, oh, we'll have a fiesta, na 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 you know? And everyone would get together, and it was loud and boisterous, and and, uh, and just wonderful. You know, it's not wrong to notice differences in people groups. That's not a bad thing. Then what's the problem, Brother Ben? Well, look at what he says in verse number six. This gives us the key to playing favorites or partiality or playing politics, some people might call it. He says this, but ye have 
despised the poor. I know here multiple different ones of you are in different versions, so I'm not sure what the different versions say, but they should reflect the idea that this word here, it doesn't mean to hate so much as it means to make a value judgment. For example, I can cross-reference this with a couple passages. One where Paul says, despise not prophesying. He's not saying that you shouldn't hate by application the preaching of the word of God today because we don't have any more prophets, you understand. But he's not saying hate it, he's saying value it. In fact, one that's even clearer, I think, is when Jesus went to the cross, the Bible says he despised the shame, right? Despising the shame. It wasn't saying Jesus hated the shame of the cross. It was saying that he made a value judgment and considered it of no value compared to obeying the will of the Father and procuring salvation. So it's kind of like how I view pennies. Let me take a quick poll. How many of you... Uh, if you see a penny on the ground, you pick it up. All right, all right. I think that was about half. How, how many of you, if you see a penny uh, in the filthy dirt, just lying there in the filth? I'm trying to, like, prejudice my poll. Uh, <laughs> how many of you'd say no it's not worth it for me to spend the time to pick it up all right okay <laughs> how many of you are too tired to raise your hand tonight raise your hand okay a few of you right okay so I don't hate pennies right I don't have some deep-seated vendetta against pennies I just they, they don't I, they just are a waste of time like, I don't consider them anything, particularly since I know it costs the government 1.1 cent to make a penny. Think about that. Maybe that's too political. I don't know. But that just, to me, is a picture of government. Anyway, <clears throat> costs 1.1 cent to make a penny. Anyway, long story short, I think that's hilarious, but no one else does, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> I despise pennies. It doesn't mean I hate them. It means I'm making a value judgment. Look, bring it back here. But ye have despised the poor. He's saying you made a value judgment on a soul. See, that's, that's the key to, to actual racial prejudice or ethnic prejudice, right? That's the key to status and, and looking at people different ways. I grew up in a church. We had about 100 in the youth group, and some of us went to Christian school, some were homeschooled, and some went to public school. And in a lot of churches, I know that can be a problem because, you know, they're fighting with each other, which is bad or which is better. I'm grateful to be able to say that in our church, it went along very well, at least during the years that I was there. And we didn't judge someone else based on where they were and, and how they were being raised. And some people go to public school and then they'd say, oh, I don't want that. And they go to the Christian school. We had some Christian school students who went to the public school. And homeschooling was around. It wasn't nearly as big as it is now. But what I'm just trying to say is I'm trying to give us the mental picture that it's hard for us sometimes to put a definition on something. But, and in fact, I'm looking around, and we, I have, we have some young people in the audience, so I'll be discreet with what I'm about to say, but I think sometimes the most difficult time we have with not judging a soul or putting a value on a soul would be when we interact with someone who, has, who is involved with a perverted lifestyle. Because we know it's sin and we know it's wrong and we also know that there are whole groups of people that are, are intent on tearing down 
the uh, standards in society and we stand against those things and rightfully so. But as individuals, each one has a soul that's valuable to God just like mine or yours. And that's a hard thing sometimes for us as Bible-believing Christians to make sure we remember that. But I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to make sure I do what I hear. So remembering to see every person as God would see them. Boy, that's a challenge. Well, very quickly, let's do the last test, shall we? The last test. Look at verse, uh, verse number 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? I'm not going to get into this tonight. James does not teach works-based salvation, all right? There's no such thing as works-based salvation, <laughs> unless you're talking about the finished work of Jesus Christ, amen? So uh, that's not what he's talking about. We don't work in order to be saved, but we ought to work because we are saved. But look at what he says. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food... And one of, them, one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? <laughs> in my mind, I don't know why I have this picture in my mind, but in my mind I have this picture of a neighbor who goes to another neighbor to ask for a rake. And, uh, and he says, do you have a rake that I can borrow? And the neighbor who's in his garage is sitting there with his hand on a rake just inside the door so you can't see it. And he says, no, I don't have a rake that you can borrow. <laughs> He's not lying, but he doesn't want to help his neighbor out. Now I know, maybe his neighbor takes everything and never gives it back. I understand that. But here he's specifically saying a brother or sister is in deep need. In fact, they have three needs, right? They have need of food, they have need of clothing, and they have need of comfort. And instead of really offering anything of value, this person, what does he do? Well, he offers them flowery words that don't really mean anything. Depart in peace. Right? I know you're feeling bad, but depart in peace. I'm not going to help you out. Be warmed, I'm not going to give you any clothes. Be filled, I'm not going to give you any food. You know, the longer we're a Christian, I think the better we get at Christianese. And what do I mean by that? I can't see your faces when my glasses are off. Christianese. Christianese is like, okay, you're smiling. Okay, good. Christian, it's, it's we talk... You know, I love to, let me put it this way, I love to hear a new believer pray. Isn't it refreshing sometimes? Because they don't know all the right words that you're supposed to say, right, to make a prayer sound good. Now listen, it, lest you think I'm making fun of prayers that have theological terms, listen, there are things, there are concepts that only deep theological terms can express, which is why we learn about them. So I'm not mocking that. But what I am saying is that we can get so uh, enculturated that we can learn how to say things that don't really mean a whole lot. It's getting colder outside a little bit. Pretty soon we'll be in hot chocolate season. Amen? Any amens? I was introduced up in uh, Northland time uh, I'd never done this, but I'd never put whipped cream into hot cocoa before. 
And Dr. Ola was the one that told me how to do that. He said, you got to put whipped cream on that. All right, I tried it. You know, I've got good and bad news about whipped cream. Nutritionally speaking, whipped cream is really not that bad for you. Oh, hey. Now, that was the good news. The, 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 the bad news is whipped cream, it's really not that good for you. <laughs> it's kind of this in the middle, right? It, it's not really, there's no real nutritional value in it. It tastes sweet and syrupy, you know, but it doesn't give you anything at the end of it. And that's kind of what this guy does. It's spiritual whipped cream. It has no substance to it. And, you know, I call this the test of service, the test of service, because here's someone who wants to give the illusion that they're going to serve, but they really don't. You know, it's been said that 90% of the work in churches is done by 10% of the people. I don't know how they get that statistic, but it feels right. I don't know what it might be here, and I understand not everyone's in a physical condition to do manual labor, but that's not all I'm talking about. A heart of service is one that's going to say, hey, I want to do whatever it takes to help someone else in their spiritual walk. And do you know what the true test of service is? The true test of being a servant is when someone treats you like a servant. <laughs> I, was, I was preaching a youth camp up in Canada a number of years ago now. And uh, they didn't have a pianist for the week, about 125 kids up there. And uh, they didn't have a pianist, so I volunteered. Hey, I'll play the piano uh, for the week. And that wasn't my job. I didn't have to. But uh, they had a little keyboard there. So I said, sure, I'll do that. And uh, I play mostly by ear uh, and, uh, and such. Uh, and so the, the song leader got up, and he was a Bible college sophomore. <laughs> and uh, I think I mentioned that maybe this morning. Uh, anyway... He was really, and he was a music guy, uh, but he, I don't know how to say it, he just was really terrible at, at leading songs. Uh, his voice would wander off the key, and he didn't keep time very well, etc., but he really thought he was really something. And apparently, he was pretty excited about having Ben Everson as his pianist. So uh, he, you know, how do I know that? Well, I, I tried helping him. Because he would speed up and slow down, and I would like keep pace with him, and then he would sharp and go, you know, go sharp. So I'd change keys. And you pianists know that's not a simple thing to do. I mean, you 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 alter a key to follow the guy. Uh, so I was pretty pleased with myself. I'll be honest with you, because here I am trying to do my best. About halfway through the week, as I was getting up from the piano to come over to speak. Um, uh, he, he motioned, kind of motioned for me to come over to him, you know, as we crossed paths like this, and he whispered in my ear, he said, I thought he was going to say something like, thank you, Brother Ben, for helping me out, or, you know, I appreciate your work, or anything like that. But instead he said, would you quit changing keys? It makes me look bad. And I'm thinking, you know, no respect, nothing. I mean, I was, I'm, I was torched there for about four seconds, you know, but then at, after about, well, after about one second, the Holy Spirit spoke up. And you know what he said? No, not audible voices, but I mean, huh. he said, hey, it's test time. 
It's test time, right? Because what had just happened was what? I was treated like a servant. And I didn't like it. (laughs) But why was I doing what I was doing? Was it to get recognition? Was it so someone would really appreciate all the work I've gone to? Listen, it can happen in the most surprising way. Sometimes, what happens when someone else gets the credit for what you did? I'm not saying that it shouldn't hurt. Of course we're disappointed. I'll draw to a close with this illustration. I uh, always wanted to be on a Patch the Pirate album. That was like a life, like a bucket list, you know. And it's not as far out there as some might think. Our parents were friends, so... You know, I I thought maybe there might be a higher possibility than some. So there was a Patch of Pirate album that came out called Incredible World. It's like 2005 or something like, any of you remember? Yeah, something like that. It was way back there, right? And I got to be on the Patch of Pirate album. And I played the part of an ant, which to me is hilarious. Because just physically speaking, I'm like as far away from the ant as you can get. But I got to say one line. I got to say, I love to work. And I got to sing in the men's chorus that did the, you know, the stuff. Well, I was so excited because I couldn't wait for that CD to come out and I wanted to see my name in the credits, right? They sent me the copy, you know, yeah, yeah. I was like a little kid. Incredible world. That's the one that's the big game board, right? Where they're going around. Okay, because that's the one it is. Anyway, so I rip off the cellophane, looked inside. They forgot my name. I was so, quit laughing so loud. Because <laughs> she remembers this. Because I was in the car. I pulled over or something uh, in a parking lot to open it up. And I'm just like a kid on Christmas morning. Like, yeah. Was I still on the CD? Yes. Was my name on it? No. And I was so disappointed. I cannot tell you how disappointed I was. And I had to say, okay, Lord, that's not why I did it. Well, kind of is why I did it. But I accepted it, and I didn't get bitter, and I didn't get mad. And you know, something interesting, it doesn't always happen this way. The Lord doesn't always give us something over and above, although we're told he loves to do that. Well, I had an idea back in 2015, right before I lost my voice, actually. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go out on a limb here, and I want to see if Captain Patch would be interested in singing an a cappella song with me. And so I called him up, and he always answered the phone. Any of you who called him or talked to him, he, he was the same in person as he was on the phone. Ahoy, mate. And I said, yes, sir, Captain I had a question, would you be interested in ever doing an acapella video with me on YouTube? And he said, hmm, let me talk to uh, Charlie about that and I'll get back with you. And the next day they called me back and he said, well, as long as you'll teach me how to do it, I'd be willing to do that. And some of you have been on our YouTube channel and you've seen us singing the song Bow the Knee together. You know, God took something that was a little thing that I was really disappointed with. And in this case... He gave me something way better, which was to sing something with Captain Patch shortly after that. In fact, during that filming, 
I noticed that he quite, wasn't quite himself at all times. Well, he was already starting to develop the dementia that would eventually take his life. And you know, we were able to spend a wonderful time together and we were able to actually record some things of Captain Patch that Majesty Music used for years uh, when he wasn't able to do things. You know, God gave me in that case. Oh, and I should also add that if you watch the video and I'm singing along, I call them acapella heads, by the way, because they're heads, you know, like the Brady Bunch, you know, in the squares, the acapella heads, right? Uh, I have no voice in the video because my voice was gone when I shot the video because I don't shoot the music and the video at the same time. I record it first and then I shoot the video later. So when I'm singing Bow the Knee with Captain Patch, I have no voice. And that to me is always a reminder. I didn't know at that point if I'd be able to sing again. So spiritually speaking, that was a time for me bowing my knee to the Lord, saying, Lord, if you don't give me my voice back, that's okay. I'll serve you in a different way. So that whole story has a lot of life lessons in it for me. But, you know, I wish I could tell you I'm always like that. And I always take the long view and I always do the right thing. I don't. We'll have plenty of illustrations as the week goes on in situations where I haven't done the right thing. But, you know, maybe all of us as we go from here tonight, maybe we could just ask the Lord, whatever we find ourselves, Lord, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be a hypocriter. <laughs> because these tests help us see where we are. To look into the perfect law of liberty like a mirror. The test of the tongue, the test of partiality, and the test of service. I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed tonight. In a moment, I'll turn the service over to pastor and he can close as he sees fit. You know, I grew up in a church very much like yours where we occasionally would do an invitation. We didn't do one every service. And certainly, I'm not a high-powered, pressure-type speaker. Hopefully, you can already sense that. I'm just myself, just a little louder when I preach. <laughs> but maybe tonight is a good night to just maybe ask the Lord if there's something the Holy Spirit is pointing out to us. And I won't point anyone out. I won't embarrass you. But if you'd say tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed, you know what, Brother Ben, the Lord's pointed out something in my life. Would you pray for me? I'd love to do that. Would you simply slip your hand up as a sign tonight? Yes, thank you. I see that. Yes, thank you. Yes, amen. Yes, anyone else tonight? Yes, thank you. Folks of all ages, amen. Dear Lord, I thank you for hands that were lifted. That's just representative of of hearts. Lord, I, I need to be reminded of these tests because it seems like as soon as I get one down, I struggle with the next one. <laughs> it's like a loop. And Lord, I don't want to be stuck in a loop. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to be true. I want to be who you want us to be. And so, Lord, I ask that you would help us to grow. As we go from here tonight, would you strengthen us? Would you make us aware Maybe we're self-deceived a little bit and we think we're doing well, but we've got a blind spot. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit who illuminates your word to us and shows us those areas in which we're weak. Lord, we want to be real. Help us to be so. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask Pastor to come.
and close the service, I, I, or whoever's next, I forgot to look on my schedule, because I know something's coming, but I forget what it is. But we're looking forward to the week. I forgot to mention specific items we have on our table. I'll do that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but uh, we'll be back at the table afterward. Brother, you come.